0: Listen. Listen, Alexine was like, I should have warned you. I was like, I already knew.
1: <laughs> I saw that comment and I was like, here we go. Here we go. And then I got the text message. Then I saw the other comment. I was like, it's begun.
0: It's All right.
2: Game on now.
3: Well, let, let's let's get rolling on this. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We're super excited to uh, hand the reins over of the Surf and sales bonfire session uh, to two of our really, really good friends. Um, before we Officially to do that. Let's thank our sponsors of Gong.io, Lead411, and Salesforce Sales Cloud, who've uh, stepped in and really helped us, not only just promote us to do these things, but help us uh, do these things for you and for the community and sharing this out there. So, thank you very much. It's it's you know we're excited to be doing it. The topic, in case you didn't know when you registered, right? The topic of today is the future of sales as female, uh, which you know to. If you read the post, there was a couple people got a little annoyed with with some of the stuff I said on this yesterday, but that's okay. Uh, but we want to have a very fun open dialogue. First request is um, really love it if everybody will put their cameras on because I think it's way more interesting. Uh, believe me, we've all got kids, we've all got dogs and cats and you know whatever in the background. And you know I woke up with a really bad hair day, uh, so I appreciate anyone feeling that that anxiety. Uh, so thank you to our sponsors. Thanks for coming on. Next thing I'm going to ask, one, please be, use the chat. Like, add in, be additive, be supportive to people. Um, we absolutely appreciate and respect other opinions. Uh, be respectful and be mindful, of course. Um, and uh, we will certainly let people ask questions and come in and uh, you know put you on, you know, unmute you and let you ask. Or if you want to uh, text uh, or, or message Scott or I independently and say, "Hey, can you please ask this anonymously?" We'll gladly jump in and ask that question. Um, and I think that's that's the bulk of it. Um, unless there was, I'm trying to think, is there is there anything else we need to cover, Scott? We good? She,
2: she should probably let our, our hosts introduce themselves.
3: Thought, well, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm just doing the wind up. So I'm gonna I am gonna turn it over to the host because it's not about Richard and Scott today. Uh, so uh Alexine GB, why don't you guys jump in and introduce yourselves and tell us where this even came from? Like how did you guys say, hey, let's go do this?
1: Yeah, so hi, everybody. So excited to be here. I just have to say my home screen here is Galen, Kendra, and Lori, and I'm just smiling looking at them. So anyways, um, my name is Alexine Mudwar. I'm a major account executive at a company called Displayer, based here in Chicago, and I spent the last eight plus years in uh, tech sales. So I came straight from retail into tech, and it's been an adventure ever since. I'm a huge geek on prospecting, so you will always catch me talking about prospecting somewhere on the interwebs. And um, and then Gabrielle and I co-founded the Women in Sales Club. So GB, do you want to introduce our club?
0: Oh, well, we you're muted. probably
3: take her off mute, Richard. <laughs> I never put her on mute at that time.
0: <laughs> it was like the host is not allowing people to unmute themselves. So, <laughs> hey everyone, uh, my name's Gabrielle or GB. I am an SDR manager over at Gong. Um, I have recently gone on Scott's crap list because I voted for Dale Dupree and elite (laughs) IQ vote. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, I've been working in actually today, today is my six year anniversary. Like my first day in tech sales was exactly six years ago. I started off as an SDR. So yes, plus one million to prospecting. Um, yeah, so I've been an AE, I've done sales enablement. I'm yeah. SDR manager. Uh, and I cannot keep my mouth shut about seeing women being uh, promoted into leadership positions and women succeeding in sales. So, yeah, and I get to, yeah, and I get to hang out with Alexine every Saturday in Chicago. So yeah, that's me.
3: That's awesome. Um, love everybody. Yeah, see people doing. I put in the message. Go into the chat and tell us where you're dialing in from. It's always kind of fun to see where folks are, are coming in. Um, so I think the the first question you know is you know, why do you guys think that sales is, is such a great career um, in general, but certainly for women, right? Like it, there's, there, it's okay to talk about this stuff being different. Like there's no, you know, we don't, we don't need to, you know, sugarcoat it. Some things are good for certain people and some aren't. What do you guys think?
1: Mm, so I'm going to go with the obvious one that everybody's expecting. This is a very lucrative career choice for me. When I got out of college, I didn't want to be a doctor because I'm a hypochondriac. So that was not going to be a career path I could choose. So I was like, where can I make money and how quickly can I make that money to meet the goals that I have? So I've always just had really high expectations of life and of myself, and maybe sometimes they're too high, but This was a career path that allowed me to literally hit the ground running a year out of college, be able to make money that some of my friends, you know, to this day still haven't made. And I don't think that's that's the most important thing about sales necessarily. But for me, if I'm being honest, that was a big motivator was financial independence and the ability to always be able to take care of myself. And I bought my first condo, a three bedroom condo when I was. 25 or 26, which was rare at the time too, without any help. So that, you know, things like that for me, if I'm being honest, that was that was why this was a really good career choice for me.
0: Ooh, Alexine, I love that. Um, so for my end, uh unlike one of those like weirdo salespeople who's like not motivated by money whatsoever. If anyone were to like, say, Hey, like we're going to offer you a bunch. Like, honestly, like I need to get into the details before I just jump to any, any kind of decision that I'll I'll say, yeah, money's going to be the main motivator for me. But um, I think I had, I had been in um, whether it's because I'm a woman or if it's, I'm I'm a black woman. I found myself in a lot of environments where I was consistently overlooked or I wasn't seen as somebody who can be, who can perform or as someone who, should be where they were so whether that was in academics or whether that was in sports um and and I remember even after college like for a bit I was working for my uncle's company um and he was very much like hey I'm not going to give you your kudos because we're related and I don't want that to be seen as I'm favoring you so I remember um I worked for him in a, uh, for a year And at the end of the year uh one of my coworkers was like hey did you know that you Tripled our sales from last year, even though we didn't even have stock for a third of a year. I was like, "Wait, what?" So, uh, you know, I found out that I was like, "Oh, I didn't even like I I didn't even know realize truly that I was in a sales role. I wasn't being compensated or commissioned on my sales either. And I was like, "Screw this! Like, y'all don't know how to treat me." So, I, I I stepped into tech sales. Um, and I think it was really for the first time that. I was able to put forth effort, get results, it made a lot of sense and you couldn't dispute the numbers as well. So not to say that sales or working in sales is a full meritocracy, but it seemed like the closest thing to it uh, compared to any past experiences that I had. So for me, what I find really compelling about being in sales, especially as someone who's from an underrepresented group and lives at the intersection of two uh, underrepresented groups, I was like, the numbers do not lie, right? Like if I'm kicking ass, I'm getting quota, like I'm doing the damn thing. There's literally zero reason other than your ignorance why you're not giving me my flowers right now. So I I love that piece of like the the success. Um so, recognizing those ways.
3: So GB, is it is it the chip on your shoulder that you like, you know, you oh I advice, but it was I really need this, I like to have this chip on my shoulder.
0: Oh, I do. I would tell people I was like, I a hundred percent have an FU mentality, like. That is, it's it's lessened a bit over the past few years, but when I can't, when I got into sales, I was like, I have something to prove. Like, I know, I know I can do really great things. I just need to be in the environment where I have the opportunity to do that. And I'm, I'm able to be seen for that. So were
3: you, were you like that as a kid? Were you like, were you six years old? You know, mom and dad were telling you not to do this. And you were like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm doing it anyway. Like, is this just innate in you?
0: Oh uh, yeah, my mom's like you are the most hard-headed person I've met in my life. Like, and then I got a phone where I had access to the internet, so anytime anyone said anything, I was like, "So Google said you're wrong."
3: <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. What is what? Are, just out of curiosity, like, what did you you know you you now have a very successful career in sales and and even beyond that you know, what do your, what does your mom say? Is she like, yep, this is the right career for you. Was she shocked that you said you wanted to go into sales? Like.
1: I,
0: uh, so, I mean, I grew up with like a single mom, right. And she had me when she was like 23. So I feel like my mom was always like, I have to like, tell you what to do. We have to make sure that you're totally okay. Like you have to like do these things. And maybe that's also what's contributed to that FU mentality of like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure it out on my own. Like I hear you mom, but I trust me. Like I really do believe in myself. So like, let me just do it. And I think what I've seen is, especially in the past few years, um, the more that I trust myself and trust the decisions that I'm making, the better things turn out. And I think that's what's enabled my mom to be like, oh, you got this. You're okay. (laughs) Like, like, you don't need me to run your life. So I I think that she's actually, uh, she's a lot more relieved. (laughs) She's like, I can live my life now. I'm like, yeah, it's okay.
3: You've been launched.
0: Yes. Yes. I was like, let me leave the nest mom. It's going to be all right.
3: All right. I'm going to, I'm going to get off the mic and turn it back to the two of you and let you guys sort of take this where you guys want to go. Like what, you know, what inspired this? What made you guys want to have this conversation? And I'll, I'm done for now.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I think, you know, the cool thing about what I really like about this women in sales club, Gabrielle and I have very different personalities but it works like that's our our vibe like we both feel differently she calls it the no sugar version where she just gives it to you straight I call it stevia where I beat around the bush a bunch and then I'll (laughs) so I think we have this really good chemistry that just works for conversations and it reminds me of like Scott and Amy I think about you two and your differences and perspectives but it works because people can tie themselves to one or the other so I don't know. I just wanted to, to say say that as part of you know the inception of this Women in Sales Club, but um, you know Scott personally for me, I don't know if I'm allowed to use the word, but like he's a mentor for me. Um, he and I probably talk on a daily basis, if not eight to ten times a day. Um, so when we were thinking about launching this club, one of the one of the areas that we really wanted to focus on, were like, there's a lot of really great groups for women in sales. It's incredible. I don't see any of those as competition. We are all trying to do the same thing. What I wasn't seeing from some events was male participation. We weren't seeing men coming to the conversation. We weren't seeing male revenue leaders specifically as part of that. And I think it's great that we can have conversations amongst ourselves and we can work on progress, but there's other people we would like to have as part of those conversations. So we've been very intentional since day one, even in our clubhouse sessions saying multiple times, we are inviting male leaders to be part of this conversation And so in my mind, when I started to think about who are the male, Gabrielle and I did this exercise. We hung out for, what, 10 hours the other day and went through and made a list who are the male revenue leaders who we feel like um, should be part of these conversations and can help us drive this conversation forward. And Scott was one that came up for both of us and you too, Richard. And it was just one of those... um, things. Then I reached out and I said, this is a conversation we're interested in having. I want to have it in a space where we feel comfortable with the people that are hosting it. And we feel like we have value alignment. And that's really where this conversation came from. I'm just here to hang out with Alexine. Honestly, (laughs) I'm a fan. We hang out these aggressive girls' days that are just like Um, 10 hours and we talk about like prospecting stuff, like very different than what you expect them to be. But we're like, here's all this like low hanging fruit we found in our CRM system, or here's some email subject lines that are working, like not the typical girls' days that people do. Well, I think I think even
0: what started off like Women in Sales Club was uh I think Alexine was having technical difficulties <laughs> on clubhouse. And I was like, and I would just like text her "Am my right, press this button, do this thing. And then, you know, she's like, Hey, would you be down? It's like, Oh, op- I think I was having challenges trying to open up a room. And she's like, Oh, like I can open up a club. Like I already have it. Like, let's do, let's do this together. And, and really since day one, it's like, uh, to Alexine's point, we have two two very different views, um, um, even in the answer that we asked, like, why did you get into sales, right? It's like, it's two, two very different perspectives. But I think the thing that really ties us together is something that we're very impassioned um, about is, the conversation about women in sales can't just be only women. It can't be a silo. We have to have an integrated conversation. We need to have a collective conversation and we can't be shutting people out. We can't be man bashing here. Like that's not going to progress anything whatsoever. Um, And so even in our first kind of off clubhouse event, it's like, how do we reflect that? Like, how do we, I don't wanna say like make a stand, but like, what is the message that we wanna send? It's like, hey, here, like, here are these two like very well-known male sales leaders, right? Um, who they're opening up the floor, but like we can kind of have this stand from the very, very get-go that the conversation about women in sales, the effort to promote, the, the effort to empower and to elevate is gonna be a collective effort. It's not gonna be just like one demographic whatsoever.
3: What are the, what are the challenges know that and I think we know some of the obvious ones and I think it's okay to talk about them what are the challenges that are still happening today even after the me too movement right that women face and um, I think they're still there but I, I, I want to hear it and then the other question I think which is equally important is what can we do and I'll, I'll speak collectively as the we of men to help support and keep growing and going and all those things
1: Mm, That's a good question. I think there's a few, there's one that like hurts to talk about, but like, there's still some pretty rampant sexual harassment. I get at least one message a week from a woman who's asking for advice she got. And it's not, a lot of people assume it's like someone internally on their team. A lot of times it's prospects. Like we deal with some creepy prospects sometimes. And I think that that's hard for sometimes male, like male leaders to relate to or kind of see or maybe they'll read something that we read a different way sometimes so i think you know from for the latter part of your question i think you know if you're seeing discomfort if you're seeing like some kind of visceral response to some kind of messaging from a woman on your team like, maybe have a side conversation and say like, hey, this was, you know, when I read this message or whatever you sent me from this prospect or whoever it is, I I thought it was definitely odd. Can you talk to me about like, maybe how you felt about it? And then you help escalate that situation. Like it shouldn't be on a female rep's shoulders to deal with someone that's sexually harassing her from her prospecting book. It's a very uncomfortable situation. So those are the best leaders, regardless, male, female, anybody that will actually help escalate and deal with that situation directly. So I think that's that's a big um, a big one today. And then I think the other one that's still, I don't know, and maybe I'm overly sensitive to this or just notice it more often. Um, you know, a lot of us work for tech companies that have, uh, segmentation of different like geographic areas. So like a big one, I mean, now I'm eight years in, where does New York always go to a male salesperson? Because male salespeople have the right personality. And I don't know what that means if I'm hitting better numbers than they are. So that's one that's come up pretty consistently is like the geographic breakdown of territories. I've always struggled with that. I feel like whoever is the, you know, performing should be in those strong territories. It really shouldn't matter what personality we have, but I've been in situations where I tried. To, they tried to pigeonhole me into like a Southern territory for instance, and that wasn't a great market, but I was top on the sales team. Um, so I fought and fought and got my way onto like a West, uh, West Coast uh, territory. So there are situations like that that are still happening pretty frequently, um, but I guess that's another one I'm pretty sensitive to. What do you got, GP?
0: Yeah, I, um, I wrote down the question, like what happens when things go well? This is a question that I had to think about a couple months ago. So, uh, uh, there are, I'm a manager. I have a team of 10 reps right now. If I go and I talk to other, leaders who are women who are able to have a team of, let's say like even 50% women, 50% men, like on my team right now, I have like, it's a 70% women, 30% men. Like if you're a woman on a team, if you're leading a team and you have predominantly women on your team, there's an accusation that there could be a like favorite like um, favoring women over men, and therefore there could it could there could be a perceived bias against men. So I think like that's one challenge that I see, especially for women who are stepping into leadership positions, who have an initiative or who have an effort, even if the company has that initiative, it's not just their own um, their own kind of passion project. There can always be that. Perception of, oh, hey, this person is biased, and therefore they're not going to be the best leadership material for the, you know, for like whatever comes next for them in their career, because they're not going to be able to be relevant to the majority of folks. So like, that's something that I know I've experienced personally. It's things that I've heard other women in leadership positions who have achieved a certain balance for gender as well. So like, I think that's one thing, but um, I would say one big challenge that I saw, like, especially like during, like at the the height of me too, because what was that, like 2016-ish or so. And that's when I first stepped into a manager, or I was getting ready to step into a manager position. And I actually went from being an SDR to an AE um, one, I think with that, the biggest challenge was uh, finding mentors and sponsors. So the majority of the leaders at the organization, um, the people who would be able to provide mentorship and, and sponsorship were male leaders. And so what I saw is there was a little bit of a, there was some apprehension of because I was, what, 25 at the time. So there was apprehension of like, all right, Hey, if I'm a 40 year old male leader, like, and I'm now mentoring this like 25 year old woman, what is that going to, what is that going to look like? So a lot of their time was spent with like the, like the people who are in my exact same position, the exact same age as me, the only difference was they were a man, right? So they were going out to drinks, they were offering, <laughs> like they were, they were offering up their time, offering up their resources, getting to know them on a super personal level. And so to be in a position where you're like, okay, well, not only am I maybe one of the only uh, people like myself in this organization, I also have like really no one to call on or to help. And like all of the mentorship, all the code, whether that's coming from the actual like my my boss or if it's coming from the company investing in coaching resources like i got i was like i found out that one of my male counterparts was getting coaching that the company was sponsoring. And I'm over here like a fledgling manager who's making every single mistake you can make at a first-time manager. And I'm like, I could benefit from this, please help me. And they're like, well, no, like this person needs it more. So um I, and then and then I also think that there's a hundred percent, there can hundred percent be a double standard in terms of the ways that women can show up at work and the ways that men can show up at work. And what I mean by this is um if a man comes in and starts ripping apart, let's say a new process a new system. They're seen as passionate, but that same passion demonstrated by a woman could mean you're unprofessional or hysterical. So uh, those to me are really the the big things that I see. And I guess like to sum it all up, it really is a double standard.
1: Mm -hmm. Scott, do you remember a post that you did um, maybe like a month or two ago? Scott wrote this post. I can't remember that, like the overarching theme of it, but you made this comment in it about how women who you know first and foremost promote women into leadership roles but then second to that allow them the same autonomy that you offer to males to get into that role and and figure it all out i can't remember the wording you used but that stuck with me since you posted that i thought it was really interesting it was an interesting call out from your perspective too
2: yeah thanks i don't, I don't remember the all the details of the of the <laughs> post but um and the interesting part and gb was just talking about this is it's one thing to Provide women an opportunity. <clears throat> That's another thing to guide them along the way. So they succeed in said opportunity and that success knocks down the barrier a little bit more. Right. And, and allows the successful woman to pay it forward and send the elevator back down and help uplift other. Ooh. Clients, right. <clears throat> so um, there's a couple good questions from the audience that I want to try to get to. Um,
0: One thing please. <laughs> I'll take that as a yes. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, <laughs> no, i was just going to hit on one thing. I think there's another, there's one challenge that I've seen. I think maybe, maybe it's generational is if we think uh, um, kind of just tailing right off of what you said, Scott, if there's a world where women are given opportunities, but aren't being set up to succeed and you have to By, like, you have to like bulldoze your way into being successful on your own. I think that then creates a standard or precedent that says if you're a woman and if you're a woman in fill in the blank and sales or in leadership, you have to do it by yourself. So, even this piece of like, hey, you want to send the elevator down based on my own personal experiences in the past, more often than not, the women who were in leadership were the ones who were saying, there's no elevator that's coming for you. Figure it out on your own. So if we have this culture that says women have to figure, or under- women, underrepresented groups, whatever, have to work three, four times as hard, do things on their own, that also, I think, in- establishes this mindset that we're not supposed to help each other out either.
2: Yeah, and that's the wrong mindset to, to have. Uh, <clears throat> all right, so we have a couple of questions from the, from the group. Um, also, I just got notified that, Uh, Salesforce has been kind enough to offer up a hundred dollar gift card for whoever has the like best spiciest, most engaged um, question. So we'll let Alexine and GB maybe pick who that winner is um, at the end. Um, I thought it was going to go to Celeste, but I can't find Celeste on camera. I'm going to try to take you off mute. Celeste, if you're, if you're here, you're up if you're here.
4: Sorry, I'm on a uh, Chromebook, so it will cut out frequently if I'm on camera. But anyway, uh, my question was, how do we encourage people to join this group if it seems to be named for women only? How can we encourage our colleagues and our um, male counterparts to join in who are interested in helping out?
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess from my stance, like, um, we've talked, we actually talked about this a little bit too, cause we got this feedback previously. Someone mentioned this. Um, I think we want to own the fact that this is like a grassroots, like we're trying to build the movement, I I like keeping kind of the, the name of it where it is. However, I think that what we can do is work on the messaging and work with relationships like this that we have through our network and introductions that people are making for us like this, this in my opinion sets the tone like Richard and Scott. Um, continuing to to publish this event, taking some heat when people were making comments on that. Like that is kind of setting the tone. And what I noticed is, um, I, GB knows this, I like actively track our, our brand new LinkedIn page. I send a message to everybody that I'm not connected with that joins the group. And what I noticed was since you both started posting that event, we had more men request to join the Women in Sales Club. So that to me uh, signifies that if we are able to keep the message consistent and have the right voices as part of these conversations that align with our value systems, um, which I want to emphasized means it's not every male revenue leader is not going to align with our value system or being cognizant of that. But I think if we can keep that message consistent, then we will, we will be able to drive more, um, attendance, but I understand the point and it's not the first time it's been brought up.
0: Oh yeah. No, Alexine. Yeah. Alexine, we've, we've had many conversations about this and um, I know for my end, I think a lot of what influences my perspective and when I'm showing up in the meetings or showing up in the conversations with Alexine is uh, somewhat influenced by like identity as a black person and the difference between performance and something that's genuine. So even if we do change the name, right, like uh, to me, it's the actions that matter much more. So I'm like, if it's just, it just a matter of branding for the sake of branding. Like, is that sincere? Is that genuine or is that performative? right? And are we always going to be at the mercy of like somebody else in some other group? Um, so maybe that's why the no sugar piece comes in where I'm like, yeah, no, not today. So, um, but, but yeah, it's, it's these actions that we take, right? So it's like, if, If we say here are our values, here's what we're about, we say it every single meeting, multiple times in the meeting as we're resetting. If we're taking the time to invest in relationships with like Richard and Scott and like Tim Clark, I don't know if he's still here or not from Salesforce, but like we're, you know, we're we're engaging and and we're asking questions and we're involving people and we want to hear their voice. And we, you know, we invite them to the stage. Um, these are men. So like To me, it's very, it's much more about the actions that we take than the things that we say.
2: Thanks, Celeste, for the question. Cynthia Silva, you're up.
4: Hey, guys, can you hear me? Yes, hi, Cynthia. Awesome, awesome. hey guys. Hey, um, so my question is, and I'm, I'm trying not to sound cynical, um, but what's it really going to take for the tech industry to embrace hiring and then support uh, women and minorities as part of their tribe? Because, uh, you know, and I just want to kind of frame it from my personal experience. Um, early in my career, I worked at two different banks which is the epitome of the boys club, right? They started the boys club back in the day, old white bankers, they did a much better job of hiring women and minorities my, 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 and promoting them and supporting them. And you know, when I pivoted to tech in recent years, I find it shocking that like this, this you know, which seems to be like a younger generation is just does not care, really embraces the bro culture. And every so often you'll see them when, when some sort of uh, racial um, injustice happens, they'll post Black Lives Matter on LinkedIn and that's the end of it. So I'm just curious, like if women, men, anyone, I would love to get someone else's perspective because I think I'm getting cynical and, and I'd rather not be.
0: I got an answer to this. So, um, okay, so a, a couple years ago, a few years ago, whenever it was, I I, I was a part of this panel, this like diversity, equity, inclusion panel. Uh, had actually like zero business being there as a hundred percent that token black person. But luckily on that panel, you actually had somebody who knew what he was talking about. He was uh, a head of uh, head of HR, and one of the things that he had he had shared was, "Here's what it takes for an organization to change." And so he talked. He told the story of what happened at their organization, and what had happened was. Um, Uh, they had seen that their top performers were leaving at a much higher rate than anybody else in the organization on the sales front. And when they actually dug into the data, they also saw that their top performers were all women. And so they were like, wait a minute, not only do we have a problem with retaining our top performers, we have a huge problem retaining women. And it had a huge impact on their business. And that is what compelled them to go in and to investigate what is it going to take to because they they associate a top performer with women with women now, right? So like like we have to find a way to be able to retain our top performers. And a huge part of that is going to be we have to create an environment that's inclusive and equitable for women. So this is really why I say vote with your feet, because that is what drives businesses to check themselves. Um, so if you're in, like I I think there's one, there's one big piece that I'll share here is I really do think there are a crap ton of companies, tech companies specifically, that are embracing of women. They want to empower women. They want to enable women, right? They want to promote women. And so if we have more companies like that who are able to get women into their companies and show a model of success and assuming those companies are actually growing and actually profitable, then I think that is really the way that you start to see other companies go wait a minute, we don't have our shit figured out. So uh, to me, it's a, a little bit like two pieces. I don't think there's a short answer. I don't think there's a silver bullet to this, but it really has to be, if you're a woman in an organization that is never going to recognize you, never going to see you for your potential, and is always going to look at you as, okay, well, that's Cynthia woman, and I have a biased perception towards women that sees them maybe as less than or inferior. That's not the place to be. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it really is up to the, it's up to the woman individual or the underrepresented individual. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying, Hey, everyone quit your jobs tomorrow. Right. But it's like, Hey, yep. just re- Yeah. Recognize that and recognize that like there are organizations, there are leaders who are capable and who are continuing to increase their capabilities when it comes to creating um, and cultivating equitable environments, inclusive environments that promote, <laughs> enable and empower women. So like that. That's my stance on that one.
1: Yeah. The other piece is, you know, I agree with everything Gabrielle said. I think, you know, for myself, um, I have been predominantly like one of one or one of two women on almost every sales team. So I built from scratch employee resource groups twice now, and lot, and they're both times they were the first employee resource groups. Both times they were for women specifically. Um, so. I I wasn't seeing it. So I did it myself. And I feel like, you know, same, same kind of concept here. Like we want to have, you know, there are certain conversations that weren't happening. We wanted to build those ourselves. So I think there is like some of it is putting the onus on yourself. I agree with Gabrielle. Like you can only do so much to a point. Like if a company is uh, unsafe, unhealthy for you in any way, yes, uh, absolutely vote with your feet. If you see potential, like if you feel like there's an opportunity for you to make an impact and it feels like, it's they're not totally closed off to that, then maybe go the employee resource group route and try to start those conversations and almost force everybody to come to the table, which is what I kind of did. I would say like, hey, I'm I'm having this event, would love to make sure all of our C-levels are, pre-, you know, that's a very awkward thing to say no to then. Um, so I think you can do things uh, like that as well. I also think one thing that's really interesting is I don't know if anybody else feels this way, but the last two years specifically, I think there's been a lot more content specific to women in sales. Um, uh, Through Like Gong's done some stuff, Sales Hacker, all these different groups, Salesforce has done a lot. And what's interesting and what I've watched is every time one of those articles goes out, that article that um, Gabrielle and I were both in, it was like seven women that got highlighted in Gong and sales. I got a flurry of messages from recruiters and not just recruiters, but from like VPs of sales of very prominent companies where they've somehow got my email, reached out to me directly, and then asked if I was interested in joining their team. So like, that's a very tactical way of continuing to kind of spread the message. And if we really do wanna create a more equitable, equitable future, start featuring some of these people, feature some of these names, and then recruiters, you know, seek them out after that. So I don't know, that's just a couple of things.
2: All right, thanks for the question, Cynthia. Got one more, and then I'll turn it back over to Richard. We're gonna to go to Kaylee Chapelo You there, Kaylee?
5: Yes, hi, can you hear me? Yep, we got you. you. Hi guys, um, so first of all, thanks for putting this group together. It's been really exciting to join in on the Saturday clubhouse calls and everything. Um, my question stems from a, a, an incident I had actually this week. So. I um, am working on a deal and we had an internal conversation and they were talking about looping in a partner and, oh, let's take them to the golf course. And it felt a little bit dismissive because I could tell I wasn't getting the invite to the golf course. So it's just trying to find that balance of trying to stay
1: engaged. It's my deal. You know, I want to be there, but also being genuine to myself. I'm not the best golfer.
5: I go occasionally, but um, same thing with sports. You know, I'm the only girl on the sales team. And every single time we have a weekly call, it's like, 15 minutes about sports. So it's like, what's the balance of learning and staying engaged as much as I can, but also being genuine to who I am and my interests. So if you guys could talk to that, that'd be great.
1: Mm-hmm. Alex,
0: yeah. sports. I was going to say, has something like this happened to you before? you are like working a deal and they pull somebody else in. I think there's like, there's that piece. And then there's also the second piece, which is, and doing activities and you're not invited to it that are very male centric. sorry. That was the first question was for you. Has anything happened to you like that? We're like bringing in dudes into the deals.
1: Oh, Alexine. Oh, was that for me or for Kaylee? Yeah, no, that was oh, for you. I, I thought you were asking Kaylee. I was like her specific to her deal. Um, no, no, no. I was like asking Kaylee. you if you've experienced anything like that. Um, do you know, I feel like there's been instances, like, especially deals that I'm like, I don't know. I'm also, it's so interesting because I say I'm like the Stevia version outside of work, but like inside of work, I definitely like hold my own, like, as it comes to my deals. Like if I see people, like even leadership, like if they're, if I'm like good on a deal and it's going to close and like a leader comes in and they're like, send this or that I'm like, for what? Like, what's the perfect, you know, like what, it, or like, I have this, like, if this goes South and we can have that conversation, like, I believe in my sales abilities very strongly um I always am open to feedback but at the same time like I don't like people entering my deals that I didn't invite in so I'm very I guess like cautious uh, about that um I would say for like the sports one um yeah like this has happened too where they're like okay we're gonna do like a golf outing or we have like a contest one time and it was like whoever got um whatever percent to quota got to do some kind of like outing that was like sports related. So I actually asked my VP, I was like, okay, well, if I hit it, can we go on a shopping trip together? And I need a new briefcase. And I did, I tripled my quota that month and we went on a shopping trip and I got a new briefcase. So I think like play with it, how you will, I don't think everybody necessarily has to go that route. Um, but that was my playful way of kind of like Everybody else wanted something and I'm like, cool, well, this is what I want to go do. So is this an option? Um, So I think if it's your deal, and you don't want to do that thing, and you've been close to that deal this entire time, I would just suggest, you know, hey, I I heard the suggestion about the golf outings, you know, I'm sure that sounds like a lot of fun feels a little bit exclusive towards me, um, since I'm not a golfer. uh, But what if we did something else instead and maybe there's like virtual you know i don't know if there's like a middle ground you can meet like a virtual golf thing like i did that recently and it wasn't like the greatest day of my life but it was fine so um, so i think you can make recommendations and suggestions for for other routes
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But even if it's even if it's fine you know that's you know you know it's fucked up insecure neurotic and emotionally unavailable right like that's doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing to do right like that's still Acquia- I wish that part could go away, that it was like we could find different things, right? Or that, you know, I've, I'll throw out suggestions. I know uh, companies we've done cooking parties, we've done stuff like that with, you know, to your point of, you know, virtual when you could go places, you know, Top Golf was kind of fun because it was just meant to be a good time. It wasn't meant to be golf. Um, it was meant to just be hanging out. Um, but, you know, it just as a male, it frustrates me to hear you say, well, that's fine. And it's like, <laughs> well, wait. <laughs> Fine is okay, but that's still not good enough. Like, I want it to be good for you. Like, that's that's just frustrating. Yeah. Um, I know we've got a, a couple more questions coming in. Um, uh, so I know Summer uh, had a really good question, just took you off mute, Summer. So come on in and
4: ask okay. it. Thanks. Hi, guys. My name is Summer. Um, so I am entering tech sales after about twelve years of being in outside sales. I was actually sales manager for a golf course for a number of years, so I planned a lot of these boys outings that we're talking about. Um, but you know, I've never had a problem holding my ground and having a voice in a male-centered, um, you know, arena. Um, But recently, last week, um, my manager told me to quit being so emotional um, about um, we were changing the way that the leads were being um, doled out, and I wasn't emotional in my head. I'm thinking, I'm not being emotional, I'm just being passionate or aggressive, not so much aggressive, just passionate. Um, So how do you handle that, like being accused of being too emotional? Like that really stung. um, Yeah.
0: I got thoughts, nonviolent forms of communication, um, if anyone's heard of that framework. So it goes, observe, feel, need, request. I had, I adapted it, because honestly, a couple of years ago, I think I read something that they were like, hey, like if you talk about feelings, you could be, it could be perceived as being like too emotional. So instead of like the feel piece, I say concern. So what this can look like is if someone says, so, so um, I, had, I had a situation uh, recently Where it wasn't like someone calling me emotional, but there was this, like, I feel like they said something to me that indicated that you're only saying this to me right now because I'm a woman. So what I did is like in coming up with my observed concern need request, what it looks like is, Hey, you know, when I, when I heard you say this, you know, my concern is fill in the blank. So if it's like, Hey, you know, whenever Whenever I'm hearing anyone say like, hey, you know, you're emotional when you said that my number one concern is that, you know, maybe you were saying that because I'm a woman, I don't want to make any assumptions here. Right. But I just want to let you know, based off of what I heard, like, here's kind of where my mind went. Um, just moving forward right that's where you come in with your request or your need like just moving forward um maybe we can find a way to communicate in a way where there's not so much of a disconnect would you be open to exploring what that would look like and so that can just so you're, you're really advocating for yourself you're not coming in being accusatory right that's the nonviolent part of it all but you're 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 able to start a conversation that can create a place where the words that someone is saying isn't coming off as an attack or, or an assault or anything like that. So that would really be my advice in handling those kinds
1: of situations is going to like the, the nonviolent forms of communication.
4: I yeah. Thank you.
1: Yeah. And it's so, it's so interesting. Like Gabrielle and I behind the scenes, like I have notoriously been bad about, like, if someone like pisses me off, like I'll send like a you know, I'm like trying to figure it out. And then I go through this like long-winded approach to like, I'm starting to like, she's actually been a coach for me, even in sending like more direct yet, you know, appropriate. Like I'm still like making my point, but it doesn't either, it doesn't have to be five paragraphs, but it doesn't have to be like two words either. So this is even something that I work on, but I think internally, I I agree with Gabrielle. Like, I don't have a a systematic of an approach, I guess. I don't have steps in mind, but um, those are words that are, you know, like you, you said it early, Gabrielle, it's like hysterical or emotional, or um, like we all get the capital B word a couple of times. They're like, God, she's being such a, and it's like, if I was um, male in this meeting and I had done this same talk track, would this have been the response? And I have asked that question sometimes behind closed doors too, with like a leader, with whoever, um, if I get that kind of feedback. So I think it depends also on your level of comfort and like where are you feel because I think it's the, like especially if I hear that word thrown around I'm like, hey, I'm just wondering like had I been someone else ran through the exact same deck, answered the questions the same way, would I have gotten this feedback and you just and I'm just asking you honestly and then I, I kind of have that conversation. I don't think it needs to be like in the middle of the meeting I like flip the table and then like <laughs> you know throw my my PowerPoint everywhere but I think there's a way of having that conversation in a very direct way behind closed doors. And then if you continue to get kind of like those types of words thrown around, then potentially you need to escalate it or Gabrielle's point, you know, vote with your feet.
0: Yeah. because yeah, I think there, um, I want to say something, but I, I reckon I'm about to say like, uh, there's impact, there's intent. Like people say, Hey, like, you know, assume positive intent. I'm not super comfortable with that because not sometimes that leads you into situations where you're just around malicious people and you're assuming something that's not true. And In even in like the observe concern, right? Need request, we we have a question, right? That person can always say no. But if they say yes, right? Or if they're like, you know what? I never actually thought about that. It was just an unconscious thing. Um, There's an opportunity for them to learn, right? And and again, you've advocated for yourself, you've given yourself an opportunity to get your needs met now, right? Rather than your bo- rather than your boundaries crossed. So I think there is, there's a huge piece of um, as the individual, um, yes, you can vote with your feet, but I think there's a, a huge part of like, hey, you have to advocate for ourselves, we have to communicate. It's like, it's really like being in a relationship on that end. So if everyone someone's like irritating us and they, they don't know, right? Like let's take the moment to educate a little bit. And then from there, if they keep on doing the stuff, you know what you're working with.
3: Cool. All right, we're gonna we're gonna go into the next question. Obviously, again, want to uh, thank our sponsors of Lead Four One One, gone.io and, and Salesforce Sales Cloud. And reminder, there is a gift card. Um, I know Tim was on here earlier. Um, yeah, there he is. Hey, Tim, uh, who's helping us do this? We appreciate it. Uh, next question uh, is we're gonna have uh, Kendra Warlow join us. And Kendra, if you don't know, um, has since this is Surf and Sales, she's helped raise two scholarships to send some people to the Surf and Sales event, like just took it upon herself to send out and try and help some people who maybe either don't know that they could or didn't think they should or whatever. So we, we appreciate it. So Kendra, what's your question though?
5: Thank you. Hello, amazing boss women that I absolutely admire. My question for you is how are you working with the male leaders in your life who are mentoring or are sponsoring? Are you acting intentionally with those men or are you kind of allowing it to flow um, and be what it is? I think sometimes it can be a struggle when you are young and you you have these these older men in these positions of power who do genuinely take an interest because they see what you're capable of doing. And then they start providing advice or getting getting you involved in things, but then it it takes a turn, not necessarily for the worst, just like, oh, I haven't talked to you in a week and a half. Was I supposed to do that? Or so how do you guys navigate that? Because I think the men who are in those positions of power, that's how they're going to bring women leaders up is to, is to take hold and say like, yep, I'm going to sponsor you. Like I will advocate for you. I will push things out of the way. Um, but are you having those conversations intentionally or have the the people in your life who are helping you do those things? Has it just come about?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I'll give a a concrete example. And I think to Gabrielle, at some point we should talk about the allyship versus, um, accomplished or accomplishes, uh, accomplices. I think we should talk about that as part of this, but, um, so when I started out in sales, I knew nothing. And so I was very much like just going ham on the phones and trying to get as many meetings as I could and trying to learn while I was driving the car and like putting the tires on. Um, so my, my first mentor was actually our, our CFO, which is totally random, I happened upon him at—I don't know if we were at like a happy hour or something—and I, you know, I was just like, I make a twenty-page business plan every year, and I put in there all my my sales numbers and how I'm gonna hit my quota. And he's like, "What?" And he's <laughs> like, "What are you know?" We're probably like at some casual happy hour, and here's this like kid who is just right into his face about her twenty-page business plan. Um, so that was my first mentor. Like I, he was like, "Okay." he's like, bring the business plan with, and then we'll sit down. I'm going to go through your business plan with you, but I'm going to give you actual feedback. And so I got to that lunch and I was like, he, I was like, here we go. I, I was like, I am going to get like all the praises. He's going to give me my flowers as Gabrielle always says. And I got there and he was like, no, there's no like statement at the front. Like, what is your actually goal for the year? I had to dig in through page five to get to that. Your um, financial goal is too low. You need to increase it. Here's the, like all this stuff, he just ripped it apart and then helped me put it back together. And then we reconstructed it and then would meet quarterly and we would go through my business plan again, but there was no like praise or anything. So it was, but it was awesome. And I crushed my number that year. So I think like, sometimes we think of mentorship as like, we have to like formally court someone or something. Sometimes it's just as easy. Like Scott and I naturally just started talking and, now, like if I'm talking about anything like money related, like he's a really good resource. Cause Scott, I'll be like, oh, you know, this happened like something with money. And he's like, no, absolutely. No, it's not gonna work. You do not
5: say that the receiving end.
1: Yeah. And it's important. Like that's a really important mentor. So I think my idea of mentorship five years ago is very different than my idea of mentorship today. Like I believe like Scott talks a lot about this, like the mentorship at scale. I have people that like Larry, uh, like I I wouldn't even, you know, it's like, would he necessarily be a mentor? No, but like I go to his Friday sessions and they reinvigorate me. So, so I don't know all that to say, I think there are different forms of mentorship. Um, But for me, most of my mentors have been male actually. So that's been really impactful on my career. And I'm very grateful for that.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, I think all of, all of my mentors have been men thus far. Um, and uh, so I guess, I guess there's like, okay, so um, I'm thinking about um, Roderick Jeff- Jefferson, the way he would talk about mentorship and sponsorship. So mentorship, um, uh, so they're sponsors. Sponsors are the folks who are going to speak on your behalf when you're not around. They're going to be the ones who are in the rooms or at the table and they're vying to get you to that table or into that room. Um, I think mentors is more of that like personal one to one relationship right so um, I think there's the first part of uh, for me like I'm, I'm a mentee to a man named john Gilman who's a VP of sales over at confluent um, and a lot of my like our mentorship is very much informed by me. So that means that I'm reaching out to him when I want to reach out to him. We talk about communication, right? So I'm like, right. Hey, like, is it bi-weekly? Right. Um, and he's like, Hey, listen, if, if you need, if you need to talk to me whenever, like, it doesn't have to be so formal, give me a call whenever. Right. So I have that open door. So I think a lot of, of I'm a huge advocate or like a huge proponent of self-advocacy. So like a lot of, um, how I would approach mentors, like even getting a new mentor, I think about someone like Kevin Dorsey, where eight months ago, I was like, he's going to be a mentor of mine. I don't care. And I didn't know exactly. And I I blew him up. I was like, hit him up on LinkedIn, hit him up on like Slack. Like I found his number, right. I'm just like you. and, And a lot of it was, there was a very specific reason and a very specific purpose of like, Hey, here's exactly how I would like for you to mentor me. Like, here's exactly what I want to work on. Here's exactly how I see you helping me. Like, is it okay? (laughs) I didn't even ask it. Like I asked, is it okay if I put time on your calendar? He never responded. I just put time on his calendar and he showed up. Right. So uh, I would say like how, like how to show up with these, like with male mentors is like, show up fully advocate for yourself like demonstrate that self-awareness ask for what you need right and like and and and, and put that on repeat until they're like time out right like this is too much for me can we can we take a moment um and, and i'll add like one more piece here having managed a few teams now for the past what handful of years one thing that I, I see, uh, there's one characteristic that I see that stands out um, that separates the people who are like the elite performers and even the folks who are like at 100% of their quota is people who are shameless about asking for help. They do not care what they look like. They do not care who thinks less of them. They go out, they ask for what they need and they do not stop until they get it. And then they find something else that they need. And they, they it just goes on over and over and over again. These are the folks who are getting what they need faster. They're getting more of what they need and then they're enabling themselves to be able to show up that much more. So I think like that's really what's required like across the board but especially in these mentorship meetings is like have, like, it's, okay to, it's okay to like ask for help, (laughs) so go ask for it.
2: Well, good question. Okay, we have what I think is a unique question and I saw a couple couple comments that uh, people were hoping that he got to ask it. So I'm gonna take Steve Bullington off of uh, mute and let Steve ask his question. Hi, thanks for uh,
3: (laughs) taking my question and uh, Alexine, good to see you.
2: Oh
1: my gosh, hi Steve.
3: (laughs) So, I work with a lot of universities, and I want to ask the two of you what opportunities or experiences or whatever could you have gotten in university that, in retrospect, would have created a tailwind for you when you started your careers in sales?
0: Mm-hmm. I was a public policy analysis major, like sales was not, I, I, how I got me into sales. If I'm being super honest, was desperation. I had bills to pay and I didn't know how to pay them and everybody else told me no. Um, so I don't know. I don't know about the university piece other than seeing sales as a viable career, right? Like no one, when I, when I was growing up, which is funny because like my grandfather who he had his own business, but he started off really his career in sales. Like no one in my family was talking about a career in sales. So I, I I, thinking about the experience that I've had thus far, um, uh, yeah, thinking about the experience that I had this far and like where I was, what I was thinking about when I was in college, like I didn't even know that like sales was a career that I could pursue. The visibility and awareness would have been key.
1: Yeah. Um, and I guess for me, um, Steve, I know, like I was closer to the retail side. So there was like, you know, back when I was in college, I won't say when. Um, it was all kind of like mushed together, like sales, retail, I, human sciences. I have like a sciences degree, but it was retail. Like it makes no sense. So, um, so part of part of like the the things that I did, I'll, I'll break it in two parts. Part of the things that I did that I think helped me in sales, um, we had a program through Purdue University. And I, I'm gonna acknowledge this by saying my, my father is on faculty at Purdue. I was at, on half tuition. So I wanna acknowledge that I had like the privilege of paying a lot less for university than other people did. Um, I used some of what would have been my tuition money towards a study abroad trip in Australia, but it was an internship abroad. And you got to literally write basically a paragraph about exactly who you wanted to intern for it, And they would go and find that person for you in Australia. So I wrote down female entrepreneur, sales, Uh, business owner fashion. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to end up at like, you know, a Coles in Australia somewhere. And they found me a female entrepreneur, fashion designer. She had shown in fashion week, all this stuff. So she actually had me sell in her storefront for an entire summer. And that was like a a lot of early exposure. So I think those internship experiences, if you have the financial means or able to set aside that time, uh, by all means, take advantage of them more preferable if they actually pay. Um, And then Um, Some of the other things that, um, I know there are courses, there's a lot more courses now in universities that are offered. So I certainly would have taken advantage of those had they been there. Um, The entrepreneurship program was actually most helpful for me going into sales. So I did a degree in that too, which was interesting. The the things I wish I would have done more were more on the networking side. So like Clubhouse, I don't know that there's like an age parameter or anything for who can join. So like if we had university students showing up to that conversation that were just considering careers in sales, uh, more power to them. I think that'd be fantastic. So I, I think I wouldn't have been so shy about maybe getting involved in some groups before I was formally in, I guess, the the tech ecosystem. I would have just started to get involved earlier. And I think that would have been really valuable to my sales career. So I know Steve, you have a lot of early exposure to folks that are just beginning their sales careers and going through a lot of the education programs. So if there are both men and women, you know, send, feel free to make introductions to us. We can get them in the Women in Sales Club and get them exposure to some of these conversations. Cause we're doing some tactical stuff too that will be really relevant, but that's my long-winded answer for all of it.
0: Yeah, I think there's like one more thing that's I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't say this: the importance of representation when showing up in those kinds of environments. If you have someone who can, like, if I think about it, like, all right, hey, I, I want to. Uh, if I'm me personally, if I'm like, I would love to see more women of color, right, in sales. Then, if I'm going to show up to a place, right? I mean, there's me personally, but I, I wanted. I think there's something super powerful when you can see someone and go yo, that looks like my auntie. <laughs> like, I want that. Okay, like, like, hey, cool. If she could do it, I could do it. So I, I would say even with this, like making sure that they they have an opportunity to go like initially just with their eye, they go, Hey, that if this person can do it,
1: I see myself in them. Um, that can be super powerful. I like that question. I've never heard that question at any event.
3: That's, that's really good. I think we got to, um, I put it in the chat, there's there's a group out there called Sisters and Sales specific to this. Um, and I know there's sales for the culture that's also come along um, and really sort of amped up the voice and presence, which I'm really happy to support both those initiatives. Uh, we are at the end uh, and this went quick and it went well. Uh, not that I expecting bad, but it was really good. Uh, when we were, you know, we sort of go into these things sort of like, well, let's see what happens. <laughs> and uh, it always works out, Scott.
2: It always works out, so. Richard, we, ha- we, ha- we have a winner. In the Salesforce gift card. Oh, all right. Um, who is the winner? Alexine has messaged me her opinion of who the winner is.
0: Did Gabrielle get to vote though? I don't know. No, who. Gabrielle did not. Oh.
2: Gabrielle <laughs> votes incorrectly. We already know <laughs> she <laughs> votes incorrectly. Oh. She voted for Dale.
4: Oh. All okay. okay.
1: right. <laughs> well, my my public vote is for Steve's question. I thought it was super interesting. I haven't heard it at any other event, so that's that's where who I voted for.
3: Awesome. All right. So uh, feel free to email me directly, Richard at rharris415, Richard at rharris415, and I'll make sure you get that, uh, that, that gift card over to you. Um, everybody else can email me too, if you want. It's okay. Um, you'll probably just go on my newsletter, but that's all right. Um, but again, I want to give a, a thanks to, to Lead411Gong and of course Salesforce, uh, Sales Cloud for supporting us and, um, and and Alexine and, and GB, thank you guys for reaching out to us and asking to do this because we're always happy to do these things. So you know, when people have ideas that that we think need to be voiced, we want to support them. So thank you both for for making this happen because um, we're, we're just you know we're just we're just sort of like the pipeline. You guys have all the oil. So thank you so much.
0: Ooh, I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <there laughs>
3: all right, thanks everybody. We'll see you next time.
0: Thank Bye. you. Thank you.